Welcome. And today I'm Chi, thank you for having me. And I am excited to be joining by A.B. Burns Tucker. That's right, it's our first time up. She is a law student and also the host of I Am Legally Hype. We have a lot of news to cover today, very important developments, including one that many of us have been waiting for over the course of our entire lifetime. Generally, it doesn't seem like we're moving any closer to justice. That is a Mississippi grand jury has declined to indict the white woman whose accusations incited the lynching of the black teenager Emmett Till. Now what we know definitely about the history of this is that back in 1955, Carolyn Bryant Dunham falsely told her husband that the 14 year old Till had touched her, essentially inciting the man and his brother to murder the child. And although Bryant Dunham's husband and brother were acquitted by an all white jury back in the day, she has never faced any charges whatsoever or stood trial. And a Mississippi grand jury was considering whether to change that in terms of indicting her. This is a picture of Carolyn Bryant Dunham. This woman here had played a role in the murder of Emmett Till, yet again manages to evade any kind of accountability as a Mississippi grand jury refused to indict. And this is what we know for the AP. After hearing more than seven hours of testimony from investigators and witnesses, a LaFleur County grand jury last week determined there was insufficient evidence to indict Carolyn Bryant Dunham on charges of kidnapping and manslaughter. LaFleur County District Attorney Dwayne Richardson said in a news release on Tuesday. And this latest attempt to seek justice, well, it was started when Till's family had unearthed an unserved arrest warrant for Bryant Dunham. Her late husband and his brother. The warrant is dated August 29th, 1955, and signed by the LaFleur County Clerk. The image of the warrant shows the current clerk certifying the document as authentic on June 21st. A note on the back of the warrant says Bryant Dunham was not arrested because she could not be located at the time, and that is according to the New York Times, which cited filmmaker Keith Beauchamp, who was part of the team that discovered the warrant. Now this grand jury decision, it really comes off the heels of this 87 year old Dunham, her unpublished memoir. She's essentially trying to rewrite history so that her legacy will be one of showing her as being altruistic. You know, it seems that in her memoir, she's claiming, she says, I did not wish Emmett any harm and could not stop harm from coming to him since I did not know what was planned for him. Dunham says in the unpublished manuscript, I tried to protect him by telling Roy that he's not the one, that's not him, please take him home. Sure. Yeah, I'm sure. Now for those wondering about the lack of federal government involvement in this case, the Justice Department said the statute of limitations has run out on any potential federal crime. But the FBI worked with state investigators to determine date February 2007, a Mississippi grand jury declined to indict anyone. And the Justice Department announced that it was closing the case, but federal officials announced last year that they were once again closing their investigation, saying there was insufficient evidence to prove beyond a reasonable doubt that she lied to the feds. Oof, this is um, essentially, as far as I'm concerned, it's just another reflection of how the system is not here to address any of the ills that have uh, been waged upon the black community. Emmett Till was murdered. He was a 14 year old child visiting Mississippi from Chicago and his body was torn apart and ravaged and his mother had that open casket. It was something that was extremely memorable and seen by people that this is what happens. This is what white supremacy will do to a child who is lied on 
and this woman played a role. As much as she would like to rewrite history, I will not allow that to happen. And it's so incredibly upsetting that we can't get any semblance of justice, especially when we see that there is no statute of limitations when it comes to murder. And also we see society continue to go after Nazis who have committed war crimes and who have done heinous things to people. So why Carolyn Bryant Dunham gets a pass is beyond me, AB. Yeah, it's really unfortunate that this has fallen by the wayside like this. When you think about the fact that this woman has admitted to what she's done, she wrote a whole book about what she did. Um, again, we have a 14 year old boy who did not get justice. You know, he still has a mother who had to deal with this as well. And when you think about the fact that this went to a grand jury, which is one of the most private juries ever, right? Like, there's no defense there. So, how do you not have enough? sufficient evidence to prove beyond a reasonable doubt that this woman participated in this crime against this young boy. So it just makes you wonder, you know, what really happened in that grand jury room again cuz there's there's no transcripts or anything like that that we can get to at this point, but uh, it's just unfortunate and I think that you know we look at an old white woman in Mississippi and we see what the law is and this is why we need to be way more involved in the laws that are being established and be way more active in trying to get laws changed because she needs to see justice for what she did. Absolutely, without a doubt. And the thing is, is when these historical aspects are not rectified, they continue to send a message today. They let us know as black people that the harms that were waged upon us that and continue to be harnessed aren't deserving of justice, even though they see, we see others around us who continue to get justice. And this is all as far as I'm concerned, part and parcel with the talk about reparations. Again, it continues to say that what was done to you and what we're doing to you, that it's there's nothing worthy of justice and you will never be worthy of justice. It, it, it's absolutely disgusting and it's very upsetting as far as I'm concerned. But I really wanna thank those who continue to pursue some kind of justice out there and do not give up hope because Carolyn Bryant Dunham needs to be brought to justice. And we will be back right after this as Dr. Richie says, stick and stack. Welcome in to TYT's Indisputable. It is Adrian Lawrence filling in for Dr. Ritchie. And thank you for your patience while we dealt with some technical difficulties. And hopefully there will be none moving forward. Oh, all right, let's go ahead and head on down to LA where that nurse who was accused of causing that fiery LA crash that killed six people last Thursday. Well, it turns out we have some shocking updates. Not only were there found to be no alcohol in her system, but also it turns out that she had 13 previous crashes. That's right. This is a picture of her here. This is 37 year old Nicole Linton. She's a traveling registered nurse from Houston and she was hit recently now with six counts of murder. She also faces five counts of vehicular manslaughter. The LA County DA again said there was no evidence of alcohol in her system, which countered an initial narrative that was offered by an unnamed woman claiming to be Linton's friend who was day drinking with her that day, allegedly. And we also know that now Linton is basically facing life in prison if she's convicted on all charges. So this per the Los Angeles Times. Los Angeles County Superior Court Judge Natalie Stone denied Linton bail, which previously had been set at $9 million at the request of the DA's office, which said she's a flight risk. Linton was set to leave LA and travel to Hawaii for work, prosecutor said. 
Prosecutors also said that they were reviewing multiple previous crashes linked to Linton, both in and out of California, including one in 2020 that involved bodily injury in which two cars were totaled. They provided few additional details. Now, it's also unclear whether Linton was ever criminally charged for any of those incidents. Her attorney said also that they're looking into her alleged history of documented profound mental health issues. But of course, the attorneys wouldn't elaborate there. Now, if you recall, as far as this accident goes, last Thursday, her Mercedes had plowed into traffic at a very busy intersection in Windsor Hills. Bursting into flames upon colliding with multiple cars, setting at least three of them ablaze. Now, Linton was allegedly going 90 miles per hour in a 35 when she blew through a red light, hurling her Mercedes into a light pole. Now, the impact and resulting fire killed 23-year-old Asheray Ryan, her unborn child, 11-month-old son, Alonzo Quintero, her boyfriend, Reynold Lester as well. Now, Ryan was eight and a half months pregnant and en route to a prenatal checkup. The unborn baby has uh, has been named Armani Lester, according to the coroner's office. But the unborn child couldn't be included in Linton's charges, as an unborn child is not considered a human being here in California. Now, there's a man also named Craig Pitchford, and here's his picture. He was identified by his family as the fourth victim in the crash. Uh, two additional women who have killed, who were killed, have yet to be identified. And in addition to the fatality, six children and two adults were also injured. There were a lot of people who were harmed by Linton's actions. Now, the photos also that were posted online uh, of the crash show that Linton was on the curb with a bloody arm. She was hospitalized with moderate injuries for several days before she was taken into police custody. But clearly, she survived this unscathed when you consider it in the context of people losing their lives. Again, 90 miles per hour reportedly in a 35. And the woman has 13 other crashes. Something is very wrong here. What do you think, Abby? Yeah, so first my heart goes out to the victims and their families because I'm sure this is a very tough time for them. Um, and this is very unfortunate. I'm really familiar with this area. And so one thing about it, especially if you're not from the Los Angeles area and have never traveled down this hill, um, it is a steep hill and you're, you can excel pretty quickly. So you have to be very aware of your speed in this. Um, one of the issues I have though is that we don't have a lot of information about the mental capacity, the mental impairments or anything of this defendant, right? At this time, we know she was a travel nurse. Um, and we know that our nurses have been worked quite a bit throughout the pandemic and longer. Um, and so I'm wondering like if there's any mental health issues, right? Any mental impairments since we don't have any drugs or alcohol in her system. Um, and one of the issues I did have though with the judge denying bail in this case is like, she gave the, the example of if she is a nurse and she should understand any kind of medical issues she has or any medicine that she's using and the effects of that. And why that is, while that is so, I think sometimes we miscalculate how mental illness works. And we assume that the person is just as um, aware of their status or what they have going on when they're you know, having a mental episode. So if this is the case, I really want to know more about why you know this seemingly 
you know, this woman who's a professional woman has, you know, decided to go 95 miles per hour down this steep cliff or steep hill rather. And on top of that, you know, some people are just unlucky drivers, but I really want to know more about how these other accidents happened. Was she, you know, was she the person who was hit? Is she just an unlucky driver or is she really a very a negligent driver and deserves to be in jail? Um, behind this. Now, I do think there's some accountability that needs to be held, but I'm still, you know, I think I'm just uneasy about the fact that we don't have enough facts on the circumstances of this case. Okay, well, you are nicer than me, AB, because as far as I'm concerned, I got a big problem with the fact that you've been in 13 previous crashes. I don't care how much you out on the road. I think there are Uber drivers who have fewer collisions than this woman. You know, of course, I'd want to know the gravity of those crashes, but they did say 13 prior collisions. How do you even keep any kind of insurance with that? And also, too, if you're a nurse and and I do very much appreciate the observation that you made, AB, in terms of nurses working very hard. And who knows if someone was tired, because even when I would litigate, there were times I should not have been driving without a doubt, because I was so exhausted coming home very late at night or whatnot. I understand that, I get that at the same time also. As a nurse, you should appreciate at a time when you when you don't have full control over your abilities, your faculties, you know, and you shouldn't be on the road, and you should recognize the harm you could cause other people. But also, especially if you've been in 13 other crashes, like everything tells me that this woman had full notice, and there should have been no excuse whatsoever. I think I was, I honestly think I was more forgiving with the thought that she was drunk. The fact that she was sober, that scares the hell out of me. And so I understand why the DA escalated these to murder charges. Because when you understand the sanctity of human life, because you're in the medical healthcare industry, as well as you understand how collisions work, because you had have had 13, as far as I'm concerned, then you are a full-fledged human being who should have been 100% aware of what they're doing and the potential gravity and risk and injury to individuals you could cause. But I, and I'm sure you will too, AB, stay tuned in terms of finding out more facts about this story. And there's also another story out there that we definitely want to see more facts because we don't necessarily understand the DA's take on that. And it's in Nebraska, where a teenager and her mother are facing criminal charges, allegedly because the teen aborted a fetus in violation of state law. Now, authorities are reportedly, they discovered this alleged abortion by way of Facebook messages. Now, while we won't show you a picture of the teen because she is a teen, even if she's being charged as an adult. This is 41 year old Jessica Burgess and she's pictured here and she's being charged with three felonies in connection with her daughter. Three felonies and two misdemeanors after helping her 17 year old child perform an at home abortion. And there was an article in Forbes that discussed this and while I will read from the article itself, we will not put up the wording because in part they include the child's name. And I just don't think that that's acceptable. It's just not okay. This is a child who sought health care. What we know is that Norfolk Police Department, it received a tip claiming the teen had miscarried in April at 23 weeks of pregnancy and secretly buried the fetus with her mother's help. While the teen told police that she had suffered a miscarriage, they continued to investigate, serving Facebook with a search warrant to access the teen and Jessica's Facebook accounts. They subsequently found messages between the mother and daughter allegedly detailing how the teen had undergone a self-managed abortion with her mother's help. 
And also this pervice, Facebook's DMs obtained by law enforcement were used as the main basis for a second search warrant in which 13 laptops and smartphones were seized from the Burgess's residence. 24 gigabytes of data, including images, messages and web histories from their phones was extracted for the case. How ridiculous is this? The fact that we're using law enforcement resources to break into people's homes and their houses and figuring out what they're doing for their own health. This is exactly what people feared would happen with the reversal of Roe v. Wade and it is coming to fruition. We have women, individuals being punished for seeking health care. This is some kind of dystopian nightmare. Continuing via Forbes, this marks one of the first instances of a person's Facebook activity being used to incriminate her in a state where abortion is restricted. A scenario that has remained largely hypothetical in the weeks following the US Supreme Court's decision to overturn Roe v. Wade. Nebraska currently outlaws abortions, but beyond 20 weeks. On Monday, Republican lawmakers in the state failed to secure enough votes to decrease that window to 12 weeks. This is incredibly incredibly disgusting. This is wild. It should not be happening anywhere in this world. This is healthcare. This is people seeking measures for their health, for their bodies, for their future. And as far as it concerns when it comes to Facebook and their role in this matter, it really seems that the company has you know, its hypocrisy in full effect. A month before the teen was charged, Mark Zuckerberg, CEO of Facebook parent company Meta, was asked by employees how the company will protect those seeking abortion. Zuckerberg replied that efforts to expand encryption access or across the platform will keep people safe, CyberScoop reported. How safe is this gonna be? And I do very much understand uh, when it's social media platforms seeking warrants, because I've sought one. I've subpoenaed uh, social media platforms when I uh, have been representing clients or seeking cases. And so I get it and I know the process and how they respond. It's just extremely devastating and disgusting that Facebook did not push back. They should have been pushing back, fighting back. They have the resources, they could have kept this in the courts and they could have made this difficult as hell for that law enforcement authority to have gotten those messages. Instead, it turned over with a quickness. This speaks volumes, AB. Yeah, this is a danger that we face now when you have the government in control of your body, right? Instead of actual health professionals. I think one of the beautiful facts of Roe v. Wade, although controversial, was that at least the justice that wrote the opinion sought the advice and sought to do medical research to understand the effects that this would have on a, a woman or a person who gives birth their body. Um, so now we're faced with this where we already have an unjust criminal justice system. We already have an overwhelming prison population. And now we are charging children as adults for making health decisions. How can our society be okay with this? Um, this is gonna be a huge problem. I think we're now being more aware of the effect of overturning Roe v. Wade of what this Dobbs decision has opened us up to as a country. And we really need to stop and think, are we okay with this? Changes need to be made. In addition to that, I don't like the fact that Facebook tried to use the excuse that the warrant was vague. I think they mentioned something about the warrant said they were looking for a buried baby or something to that effect or a baby that had been harmed. I think they should have double checked on that just to be on the safe side first. Because the reality is now we see the type of tactics that can be used to get this type of information from these 
conservative states that want to prosecute people for making health decisions. So I think we're on a very dangerous, slippery slope right now. And I think the reality is maybe a lot of people didn't understand the effects that overturning Roe v. Wade would have had on us as a society. So now we really have to take a look at the decision that has been made and figure out how we can fix this because this is going to cause a lot of issues. And again, we already have an overpopulated prison. This is not the type of thing we need to be sending people to prison for. Nope, this is not how we should be spending our resources and also not how law enforcement should be spending its resources, particularly given that law enforcement rarely ever prevents crimes at all. This is extremely problematic and we will have more for you when we come back. As Dr. Richie says, stick and stay. Welcome back everybody, it's Adrian Lawrence filling in for Dr. Richie on Indisputable and if you are not, you need to be watching the watch list. That's right, every day with J.R. Jackson, weekdays 12 Eastern and 9 p.m. Pacific. You can catch the watch list live on facebook.com slash watch list or youtube.com slash watch list. Do not miss it. And there's also something I don't want to miss, which are your comments. So let's take a look. So as far as the jury declining to indict the white woman who played a role in Emmett Till's death. Well, dissident PM says, ah, the privilege of a jury trial of your racist peers, exactly. And Zeno T. Rogue says, Caucasian person not getting charged with a crime despite evidence. No surprises there. Yeah, it's kind of interesting how that works. As far as Kim goes, thanks for the 499 donation. You said my grandfather was a guard at Dachau. Excuse me if I um, totally probably butchered that. It says he was arrested when he was 99. Justice is justice no matter what the age. Yes, and I guess Dachau, and again, I may have definitely butchered that, was the first concentration camp built by Nazi Germany. Yeah, that's right, justice is justice. C. Michael Henson, thanks for the $5 donation, says it is clear that white supremacy wants to erase the history of slavery, racism, and racial injustice in the country. Do not let them, you're absolutely right about that. You know, it seems that our nation really enjoys the hypocrisy of pretending that we all are entitled to life, liberty, and the pursuit of happiness, when clearly it's only a few. As far as a traveling nurse goes, well, Kaya Duval says, how did she survive unscathed? It's so weird how she survived. Without issue. Neon Death 07, y'all would have to put me on 24 hour watch. I'd feel horrible. I agree, that's exactly what I thought too, that she would potentially be of that mindset. But I really wonder what's going on here. The fact that you've been in 13 other crashes, that's just weird. Mickey see the silver haired dragon says the video shows that she never hit her brakes. With mental health issues, was she trying to commit suicide? And with so many other accidents and mental health issues, why did she not lose her license years ago? Ding, 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 these are all interesting questions. I would love to know. And also it'd make me want to look at her patients, make sure none have suddenly died because come on now. Nebraska prosecuting the team for abortion Facebook messages. Owen aka Schmoopy Dragon says this story scares the crap out of me. People can no longer talk about abortion on any social media or messaging apps or privacy is no longer private. I can't begin to tell you how much I've told people this. No, you can't do that. If you're gonna use iMessage, use iMessage, it is encrypted. You can use WhatsApp, that's also encrypted. Better yet, use Signal, anything sensitive. Don't talk in DMs about anything. I don't even talk about people in DMs, it's just foolish. Cooking with Miss D says that's crazy, getting a search warrant to punish women. And Beer Dragon says once again, everything you put online is there forever, whether or not you delete it. It is right, no, is it right, no, is it the way it is? Yes, absolutely. So yes, don't use social media 
at all to relay anything back and forth in any way because hey, they can subpoena it, they can get it and then they end up getting you. This is a very, very scary situation as well as it was a scary situation at a hospital in New Jersey where a cache of guns and weaponry were found. And we will definitely talk more about that after we talk about this Karen. It was a throwback from 2021, but I hope you enjoy it. You wanna call the police on them for having a barbecue on a Sunday. That's right, talking to a kid like that, this is McDonald's. You know, you're not walking into a five star Michelin restaurant. It's Mickey D's, you got kids working there. I cannot believe that Karen was going off like that, AB. First of all, the fact that you waited 45 minutes for some McDonald's when I could tell by your grammar is probably a McDonald's on every other corner in the city in which you live is wildly ridiculous to me. Let's start there. Second of all, you can't just be talking to people, kids like that. Okay, that's out of pocket. And third of all, I felt the energy of that young lady who kind of clapped back a little bit because these young teenagers are tired, okay? First of all, it's hard enough for them to get these type of jobs because of the nature of our economy. You see more older people working in these type of establishments than you do teenagers anymore. So that's one thing. Second of all, these teens have been exposed to so much racism and Karen audacity, right? Um, by way of the internet, much more than probably my generation or you know maybe a few generations before us, low give or take, right? They are exposed to it on a daily basis, and I'm sure they're tired. And she just seemed tired. Like I felt the energy of that. But Karen, learn how to cook. You could have made some hamburger helper. You did not have to be in McDonald's acting a fool or you could have walked two blocks, drove two blocks, whatever you had to do and got your little Big Mac. Absolutely, you could have done something because it's like it wasn't there, it wasn't happening. This is McDonald's, come on, just people are really special. Including this gentleman who was working at a hospital in New Jersey, Reuven Elianoff, excuse me, I, I pronounced his word, I'm sure I butchered it. Because apparently he is responsible for a cache of guns and weaponry that were found in that hospital. Yeah, so this gentleman, Reuven Alalayoff, is 46 years old of Elmwood Park. He was taken into custody at Newark's Liberty International Airport by Secaucus police with assistance from the US Department of Homeland Security. He was charged with possession of an assault firearm and two counts of possession of a high capacity magazine. That's according to the Secaucus police chief. Now the hospital officials, they said this in a statement. The presence of weapons in a hospital is inexcusable beyond comprehension and contradicts our mission of care and our commitment to the safety of our community of 
of staff, patients, and extended community. A Hudson Regional Hospital official said in a statement, while regrettable, this incident has given us occasion to review security protocols and we have taken steps to assure it. So what went down was basically it was responding to a bomb threat. The police swept the hospital and no bombs were found, but a bomb detection canine gave a positive indication on an unlocked closet within an office. Now upon entering the closet, police discovered a large cache of rifles, shotguns, and handguns, along with assorted ammunition from the firearms. That's what Miller said, according to the Jersey Journal. A total of 11 handguns of various calibers and 27 rifles, shotguns were discovered. A Chris Vector 45 caliber semi-automatic rifle with a high capacity magazine was also recovered and determined to be an assault rifle. Additionally, 14 round high capacity handgun magazine also seized. The bomb threat was later determined to be a hoax. Wow. It's interesting how the hoax is why they end up finding out something that was not a hoax at all or not even comical. It's the fact that this man was building an arsenal in a hospital, AB. Yeah, that's a little scary. I mean, on the one hand, I know we just saw the incident where someone ran up in the hospital looking for the doctor, you know, and shot a couple of people. I get that. But on the other hand, it's like this is a hospital, you know, you have different type of patients, you have mental ill patients, you have children, right? Um, someone could have easily gotten a hold of those arms and it could have got real ugly in there. I just, I'm, I mean, where are we at in the world when people are bringing this? many guns into a hospital and for what reason? Like this is why we need gun legislation to dictate how people are allowed to bear arms because this is scary. We don't know if his intentions were to protect himself or if he is deranged and criminal and was ready to get active on whoever he didn't like. This is not okay and I'm I'm scared about where we are right now with the gun legislation when people just have ARs and rifles just in the hospital, in a closet, and well, undetected. No, yeah, that's my thing. Part of me is like, oh, he was not looking to protect himself in the hospital yeah. with that armory. Like, uh, you know, because if he had this at home, I'd still be concerned, but it wouldn't bother me as much as why are you bringing this to work? Of all the things you could bring to work, why are you trying to bring an armory to work? And and you're absolutely right. The fact is that there are so many different people in hospitals. There are children there. There are all sorts of people. And these these weapons were not in a safe in any way. They were in a closet. A dog sniffed them. Like, get the hell out of here. What is this individual thinking? I don't know. I don't know. It's wild. But AB, you are absolutely right to be concerned about people's mental health or or actually just people's decision making process because it is incredibly, incredibly disconcerting. And I really want to know what this individual's motives were and what he thought he was going to do by, you know, again, having this armory inside of a closet at his workplace, which is a hospital. Very weird, but we will be back with some more interesting and possibly weird news. And as Dr. Richie says, stick and stay. You are back on Indisputable and it is Adrian Lawrence. And that's right, I'm filling in for Dr. Richie. Also, I have some aspirations for you or maybe aspiration because it offers socially conscious and sustainable ways to spend and save so you can make money while making the world a better place. Isn't that a good thing? And also unlike big banks, Aspiration doesn't use your deposits to fund oil pipelines or exploration. Sign up today at aspiration.com slash TYT. And let's get into hearing what you guys got to say about the Karen belittling the fast food worker. Tiffany Powell says, so glad the manager stood up for the employee. Absolutely, that whole idea that the customer is always right, that is some toxic 
and it's a problem. So I'm really glad also that the employee was defended. For whose and why, THYX, you've said we've lost all decency in this country. People are discussing, you're right, they are. Shimmer Dragon says Karen's love to ask for a higher up. And when that higher up doesn't coddle them, they want a different higher up. Yep, that's right, entitlement, just looking for someone to stroke their ego. As far as the cache of guns found in the hospital, Angel Spear 100 or Angel Spear 100 says, only in the US would you bring guns into hospitals. You are incredibly right. Solo Flight One says, wait a minute, they didn't shoot him, but I thought they were fear for their lives. I know you saw his picture, he was white, why are you asking that? Reasons and why says he was getting ready to do something really bad to a bunch of innocent and sick people. That's I never even thought about that, but yeah, that makes you wonder. Although how I'm thinking like, how would you even operate with like 11, 13, all these guns? How are you even gonna? Anyway, either way, we know that individual is something going on. As far as the new YouTube members, Darian Livingston, welcome to Indisputable. Thanks for joining us. Very happy to have you. And let's go ahead and turn our attention toward Texas. So Texas police, they were searching for black teens, but they end up arresting an older black couple instead. Wonder how that happens. Now the couple is taking legal action, and I appreciate that that's happening. Michael Lewis and Regina Armstead, well, they're pictured here. They have filed a lawsuit against the officers, the police department, and the city of Rosenberg for violating the Fourth Amendment right against unreasonable searches and seizures. Police in the city of Rosenberg, Texas, were searching for a group of black male teens when According to Vice News, they pulled over an older black couple in their vehicle one night in November of 2020. But instead of letting the couple go, when they clearly didn't fit the description of the kids, the police handcuffed them at gunpoint, searched them and confiscated and destroyed their belongings, including vital medical equipment. Now, during the arrest, Armstead told officers that Lewis had kidney disease. The ailments managed through a device called an AV fistula embedded it in his left forearm, so he couldn't have type restraints on his wrist. But instead of listening to her warning, they placed Armstead in the back of a police vehicle while four other officers, one holding an assault rifle, ordered Lewis out of the car, handcuffed him anyway, and placed him in a police car. Now for that full 45 minute traffic stop, the couple remained handcuffed while officers searched their vehicles, their vehicle without requesting or receiving their consent. The officers also confiscated Armstead's cell phone only after officers Realized they weren't there weren't any weapons or contraband in the vehicle where the restraints removed and the couple allowed to leave the scene. Now these items that were confiscated by the cops they were returned hours later, but the fob used to start the car had been destroyed. Lewis had to get three medical procedures to replace the fistula in his wrist, causing prolonged pain and suffering. The lawsuit says Armstead and Lewis are also suing the department for violating the ADA by not accommodating Lewis's disability and for wrongfully seizing their property without cause under state law. The couple's asking for monetary compensation as well as they should. If anything, they need to be paid to hide heaven. But unfortunately, of course, as we know with any kind of payment, that's really coming from we the people as opposed to the police from which it should come. And also when it comes to getting any kind of maybe accountability, Let's talk about the chief of police there in Rosenberg. That's Jonathan White, here he is. Now the lawsuit lists at least 26 civilian complaints going back to 2017 that accused his department of stopping and searching people without cause. 
from the lawsuit details, it definitely sounds like they stopped this older black couple without cause because clearly they were not black teens. So it didn't seem that there was any probable cause to stop them and that the actions were nothing short or shy of harassment. And the thing is, is if this department, Rosenberg, has a history of doing this, I would like to hope that DOJ would intervene. But then again, I know DOJ is quite busy right now, but at least the state should intervene with this law enforcement authority. AB, what do you think? Unfortunately, this is Texas. So the degree to which we see any real justice in this case is a little, it's a little skewed at this point. Um, honestly, this sounds more like a kidnapping than it did a stop and, and search, right? I mean, telling these victims to throw their keys out the car and destroying their property and things like that. I really, really hope that they get some leeway on this um, lawsuit. I hope they have an amazing attorney um, that can argue this to the gods and that somehow, some way, this couple finds justice. It's really unfortunate that being black in America is now seemingly a crime, right? And it's been this way for so long, but I guess now people are seeing it. More often, you're seeing it for real, and it's not just young teens. Granted, they were looking for young teens, but at this point now we see anybody can get it. Someone's grandparents were stopped and harassed like this by white police officers. I'm sure that they feared for their lives, right? When you have one cop behind you, let alone three with a rifle, you are using your, your position of power to intimidate these people. Not to solve a crime or not to find the suspects you were looking for. And while you spent 45 minutes stopping these people, that was 45 minutes you lost trying to find the people you were really supposed to be looking for. So thank you for how you used our tax dollars to do your job. When you talk about how you're overwhelmed, Police want to complain about how they're overwhelmed and they're being defunded. Well, you use your time doing things you aren't supposed to be doing. You were supposed to be looking for three teens. You stopped two black older people. You should have moved on at that point. Mm -hmm. Yeah, it's not reasonable and there's no reason that they should have stopped these individuals. The good thing is, is I don't think qualified immunity will protect them because their actions are not reasonable in terms of looking for teens and ends up detaining this older couple. I also would definitely say that it seems that we are seeing so much more of this in part because everybody has a microphone and a megaphone via social media. So these things that have gone on forever in terms of the degradation, mistreatment and violation of our civil rights as black people, it is now being amplified and we're being able to see it. And so I'm very glad that people are using that megaphone that is social media and the internet and speaking out. And among those who I am very happy that they are elevating these issues is also this woman who's a black Missouri mother. She's filed a lawsuit after she said that her children were called the N-word by fellow students who also threatened to fight, kill and hang them from trees. And the school did nothing about it. Now this went down in the Kearney School District in Missouri and the mother is Tiffany Witt. She detailed some of the examples of the threats and harassment her family received. And this per the Kansas City Star. The boys have never been called the N-word or threatened until we moved to Kearney. My family was attacked on the school bus and on the school premises from the time we moved in until the time we left. Witt, a mother of seven sons, said in a statement to the Star, after constant 
after constant incidents involving other students calling my children the N-word and threatening to kill them like Emmett Till and hang them from a tree. It was time for us to go, she said. We were terrified and had no one to turn to for help. No one should ever feel this way and no child should ever go to a school and feel unsafe. Schools should provide safety and security for all children. Kearney School District has proven that they are not a place for all children. Now the Kearney School District's student population is 91.5% white. Only about 1% of the students are black and that's according to the state education department. And the district has previously been accused of inadequately responding to racist harassment directed at black students. There was another lawsuit filed in May by a black student who experienced racial slurs, bullying and threats of lynching. Now Witt contends that the district deliberately refused to act and was uninterested in bringing about any actual change. And she made an effort, she said this. I even joined the school's diversity, equity and inclusion committee after several unresolved incidents involving racism with my children. I thought to myself, I'm in the educational field so I can help shed light and make things better. I was wrong. After the first meeting, I realized that these people didn't want change. They were comfortable with the fact that they didn't provide all students with an inclusive educational experience. It was like talking to a wall. Now, Kearney officials said they cannot comment on pending federal litigation, but their spokesman, picture here, Ray Weichel, offered a brief statement. He told the Star that we are certainly aware that we need to continue to ensure that we are serving all students no matter what, and that we're providing those outstanding educational experience, and that they're able to attend classes in schools that are nurturing and safe and welcoming for all students. That's a baseline for us, and that's work that we are going to continue to address, both within our our schools and also in partnership with our community as a whole. Yeah, let's talk about that community because those kids didn't just pop out of the womb, you know, being little clan members. Like, let's be real here; they're learning that stuff from their family. They're picking those things up because they are considered acceptable in the community around them. No matter what those people say, they can't tell me that those kids aren't seeing behavior. They're hearing things that they are echoing or embodying when they are interacting with the few 1% of black children who are attending that school. It really does speak volumes and I really think that Miss Witt is probably correct in her assessment in terms of being on the DEI council for that school district. That there is nothing that they are necessarily looking to do to advance their community and their school in terms of ensuring that the black children who attend there, the few and far between, that they are treated like whole individuals deserving of respect. AB? I think this is why it's really important to have equity, inclusion, right, and diversity, not just in in our schools, but in our higher and um, where we have higher level education, right, and in those positions in those offices, because these type of people get comfortable in the space that they're in, they think it's okay. I think it also highlights the reason why it's so important to see. Um, justice and action in situations such as what happened to Emmett Till because when there is no accountability for those type for that type of activity then these type of children these children believe that it's okay and they can get away with it because there are no consequences and so this type of behavior carries on this is another reason why teaching students about critical race theory is important so that you understand what these type of actions lead to long term how you are making people feel and how to integrate in society. The reality is that in America, we have a, our population is mixed. You're gonna see black kids, white kids, Latino kids, people from all nationalities, backgrounds, cultures. 
we have to start teaching our kids how to handle that and deal with that. Unfortunately, we have adults that don't agree that other people should have the same type of respect and feel included in where they get their education. But there's enough of us that do and understand that. And we need to continue to put the work in to make sure that these type of things change. I am so happy that this mother took proactive action and try to do her best to advocate for her children because we don't see that a lot. A lot of times we see parents just give up because it's so frustrating and it's damaging to children, it's damaging to our culture. But I'm glad that she at least tried to make the effort to make a change, but now we see the real, they don't want change. So we have to find another way to be proactive. Absolutely, and I hope she filed a complaint with the Civil Rights Unit of the local US Attorney's Office Civil Division, a division that I worked in in New York. And I know that her state will have a division. And of course, I'm sure they're very busy considering all the nonsense that Missouri gets into when it comes to race relations. We will be back with more soon. And as Dr. Ritchie says, stick and stay. Welcome back to Indisputable. It is Adrian Lawrence filling in for Dr. Richie. And let's talk about a little petition. Well, this Friday is the last day Governor Newsom can call a special election to put the living wage on the ballot this November. That's right, the living wage on the ballot in California this November. So this is gonna give California workers the wages that they deserve. So now's the time to sign the petition and make sure that it is shared widely. Please visit tyt.com slash CA minimum wage. That's tyt.com CA minimum wage. Hopefully we can give a better tomorrow to Californians and start a ripple effect in terms of ensuring that individuals have a living wage. Now let's see what y'all got to say. So about the cops looking for the black teens arrested, arresting a black couple instead. V says, "Oh yeah, they clearly look like a couple of black teens, exactly. See Michael Henson, thanks for the $2 drop says them cops just wanted to mess with somebody black. Yep, generally what happens, unfortunately. Tracy Ravenhawk says adultification bias, interesting. As far as the Missouri school district said, did nothing to about racist threats. Well, Nikki Baby says little KKK gang members will have a hard life doing mess like that, let's hope. They get pushback without a doubt because clearly no one else is doing anything. Donald Trump's bone spurs says sounds like a district that needs to be revamped without a doubt. Beer Dragon says why would the school district be against something that they actively support and encourage through their silence? It's a good question. As far as YouTube members, Bernie the Kiwi Dragon who's been a member for three months, congrats. Says so not only is there a bias toward thinking black children look older than they actually are, I suppose elderly couples look like teens too. Yeah, it's clear that any reason to mistreat black people seems to be on the agenda. And what's also on the agenda out there seems to be catching predators. That's right, there's a TikToker under the username PPMass1 or Predator Poacher Massachusetts. It's basically doing his own to catch a predator and we like it. He seems to be rather effective, check this out. This is Mark. Mark came out to meet what he thought was a 14 year old. Talked about 69. He said he had toys. He thought he was going to use toys. He put his hands on me. This guy, what is he doing holding your door shut? 
This guy came out to me what he thought was a 14-year-old man. I don't know why he came in your establishment, but if you guys want, please call an officer, because he's getting aggressive, as you can see. He invited out what he thought was a 14-year-old boy. Yeah, right. I have all the messages. I don't even know to me. Now, this incident was uploaded on August 2nd. And according to the text overlay of the original video, this man was caught meeting someone he thought was a 14-year-old boy. So do you want to know what happened when the police actually did arrive? Watch this. Your message is right here, don't lie. Here comes the PD, hey. Yeah, and I probably know the I, I know Detective Gene. I worked with him before. I've caught over 200 men. Yeah. They got blues. Your number about 200 and something. Mike, stop here because the police are right here, man. Here's your chomo. Here's your chomo. I want these men to You don't want nothing. You put your hands on me first and foremost. Figure it out, but don't raise your voice. ASAP, I'll go home and get it done. I'll go to uh, Walmart and get the flash drive right away. He is so helpful, absolutely, and I'm, I'm glad the police arrived so swiftly. So we do have the final conclusion to this saga, and the TikToker basically ends up offering evidence that leads the officers uh, on the path that they should be on. Check this out. Yeah, he was trying to go through that phone too. I don't know what he deleted on it, but he don't have a car. He has no car. Walked. No. Yeah, he walked. And as long as my evidence what, is solid. What I'm going to do, he's going to give me what he has. I can give you the phone. Gonna if do, you I'm going to seize his phone. Do you want my phone to go download it? If you can, can you do that? You don't have it? Do that off of me. All right, I'll do yeah, it. Yeah, do it off of me. I'll get it to you today. Right now, we've established probable cause from a named witness. He's a reporting party. I can verify Jason because I know Jason. Jason and I have worked together before. I can put that in. So that coupled with all that with the probable cause we have about to arrest. Yeah. So they are quite effective there. That's the Predator Poachers, Massachusetts. And here's what we know about them. That individual who you heard, uh, that officer mentioning the name Jason, that's Jason Velasquez. Uh, and his mission statement is as follows. PP Mass is an activist group raising awareness about online predators and the underage children they prey on. We focus on protecting children from becoming victims while exposing these predators and bringing their criminal behavior to light. By raising awareness, we hope to educate parents, grandparents, and the community at large about the dangers of social media and how easily a child could become a victim. Yes, even in your hometown. Through our efforts and the efforts of all who seek a safer world for our children, we hope to make a positive impact within our community. We hope for a day when our efforts are no longer required. But until then, we will fight for the kids and for tougher laws and legislation against predators going forward. Now, PP Mass doesn't endorse or condone causing any harm to these individuals, be it physical or otherwise. And I will definitely say I'm generally not a fan of kind of vigilantly people who are untrained engaging in what they call police work. But then again, as we know, a lot of police work isn't necessarily all that effective anyway. But I very much am a fan of this. You know, the individual has the messages that they say reportedly show that this individual was engaged in predatory acts. Pedophilia or seeking to engage in such acts. And so to stop them, to get in the way, that is something that's very powerful when it comes to protecting members of our society. And you know what? And the police being willing to hear him out is such an also a powerful thing. And I think it can lead to considerable changes because Velasquez isn't necessarily set to the same requirements and standards when it comes to the law. 
due process probable cause as law enforcement is. And so having him out here doing something like this, hey, I ain't gonna fight it, I like it, AB. I like it too, right? As a mother myself, I'm glad to know that we have some help out here in these streets and catching these predators. The police can't do it all, they're overwhelmed, remember? Um, I think PP Mass did a very thorough job in this situation and Mark about to lose his job. And I'm glad because there's probably people out here who didn't even know you was nasty like that, Mark. And now you are exposed and out here. And so good for you. So PP Mass, I'm here for it. I think this, you did it, go ahead, keep doing it. Mm, yep, yep. I'm a huge, huge fan of this. You know, I, you know, I, I just think it, it's really great. We are essentially taking advantage of that whole takes a village and protecting these kids because they need that protection out there. And there are also people out there who need protection and there are individuals who suffer from mental health, particularly in Indiana. Because there's a story coming out of there where police officers in South Bend are now facing backlash because they fatally shot a schizophrenic man instead of calling for mental health services. The man here is 51 year old Dante Cottrell. He was shot and killed by police amid a mental health crisis. This per the South Bend Tribune. According to a written statement from the St. Joseph County Police Department, South Bend officers responded to reports from school employees that there was a suicidal man with a gun in a field near the school off North Sheridan Street around 11.45 a.m. Dante Cottrell, 51, was threatening suicide and based on witness statements, the video of the incident appeared to be waving a handgun, police statements said. Now, according to police officer worn body camera and in-car video show officers and negotiators attempt to de-escalate the situation for nearly 40 minutes, but all efforts were unsuccessful. Police said video shows Cottrell threatened to shoot multiple times before pointing the gun at officers. SBPD SWAT team officers then fired upon Cottrell around 12.30 p.m who was then transported to a hospital and later died. Now a video posted on Facebook captured the scene as police negotiated with Cottrell before ultimately killing him. Community leaders also were on the scene and they've criticized the police response because the police did not allow them to interact with Cottrell, essentially to try to deescalate the situation. And when I'm talking about individuals that he knew, I'm talking about his fellow churchgoers, his mother, people who knew him and tried to deescalate the situation. Now the Reverend JB Williams of Abundant Faith Family Ministries in South Bend reportedly witnessed the incident that he called a military style operation in response to mental health crisis. Williams said he was called to the scene by a congregation member, but he was told it was against police protocol to allow him to approach the man in crisis. Now a local mental health center previously created a pilot program to accompany police responding to mental health crises there in South Bend. But they were not called in this situation due to the supposed presence of a possible threat. They were available to respond to the incident on Friday. Rebecca Go, a member of Faith in Indiana's Jail Diversion Task Force said, when they were not called, uh, why they were not called, I do not know. They were the appropriate people to respond. South Bend Mayor James Mueller said it is uncommon to send a crisis response team separate from law enforcement when there is an imminent danger, adding that there is already difficult uh, already difficulty to find officers to respond to situations that could end in death. I know there are a lot of calls for that, but in a volatile, potentially dangerous situation, I don't know that those teams are the ones that would go in, Mueller said.
The thing is the teams didn't even get the opportunity. The reality is if you're working with an individual who's having a mental health crisis, a whole number of range of things could go down. And so if a mental health counselor is up to that and willing to take that risk, I think that that's the best thing to do to allow them to go in. Because as the mayor already says, it's hard enough to find police officers to respond to a situation where it creates a life or death moment. But there may be mental health counselors who do have that level of courage to step into situations like that. And so giving those officers or those individuals a chance to get involved and to use their skills and training to deescalate a situation would seem to be the wiser thing to do as opposed to send in officers who are already afraid to be there who are wielding deadly weapons. AB. I think you hit excuse me, I think you hit the nail on the head when you said we're sending in officers who are already afraid to be there, right? A suicide is a cry for help when you have a suicide attempt. And you couple that with mental health issues, right? People are already scared of the police in their own level-minded mental capacity. So just imagine having all of that going on at one time, what that could cause. This was the police opportunity to not only protect this man from his own mental derogation, but to serve him and serve him with the proper team and the proper people that he needed to bring him down from this moment and deescalate this moment. Police are not trained to do this, right? They are trained for combat and they're trained for fight and they're not even really prepared for that as we continue to see on time and time again. So it's unfortunate that this man lost his life. And again, my prayers and my heart goes out to this family because this man had a family. It's hard enough having someone in your family who was mentally ill. But the sadder part is that there were people there to support him and help him. And the police denied them the ability to do that. And now this man is gone. Imagine what that feels like for those people who were standing there. Knowing that perhaps they had a little more, they were a little more prepared to help this man and they could have saved his life. And the police just once again, we see another black man gone at the hands of the police. Yeah, and it is absolutely devastating. It was unnecessary. And there were counselors available as well as members of his family and loved ones who were willing to intervene. And so they had the courage, they also had the desire to not allow them to actually try to save his life to deescalate the situation. As far as I'm concerned that that is injustice. Campaign ad accusing Herschel Walker of pulling out a gun and putting it to the head of his wife. Well, now ex-wife, according to her, she he did this move multiple times, including choking. He had a fascination with knives and guns. And was generally abusive. Now, this is not actually contrary to the narrative of Herschel Walker. I will explain, but here's the video. Do you think you know Herschel Walker? Well, think again. Listen to what his ex-wife had to say about him. His eyes would become very evil. The guns and knives. I got into a few choking things with him. The first time he held the gun to my head, he held the gun to my temple and said, he's gonna blow my brains out. This was actually created by a Republican political action committee. This Republican PAC is anti-Trump and by extension anti-Herschel Walker. The information contained in the ad is seemingly true, very true. So much so that Herschel Walker basically admitted to this in a previous book he wrote. And he said this was part of his personality disorder. But according to Herschel Walker, he has been healed of this personality disorder 
by a man named White Jesus. And now he's absolutely 100% okay. That is contrary to what his business associates have recently said about the would be senator if he wins this election. Let me give you background. A brutal new political ad targeting Georgia Senate candidate Herschel Walker focuses on his alleged abuse of his ex-wife. Her name is Cindy Grossman. The ad produced by the Republican Accountability Project PAC shows archival footage of an interview she did after the publication of Walker's book back in 2008. The name of his book is Breaking Free, My Life with Disassociative Identity Disorder. His wife filed the divorce, the ex-wife Grossman filed for divorce in December 2001 and returned to court in 2005 for a protective order after Herschel Walker repeatedly said that he wanted to kill her and he was going to in fact murder her boyfriend. Walker stated unequivocally that he was going to shoot my sister Cindy and her boyfriend in the head. Her sister said according to court records that have been made public. Walker currently trails Democratic incumbent Raphael Warnock imposed by roughly 4.4 points. Now that's according to real, real clear politics. Now let me give you an aggregate count because some people get excited about that 4.4. Let me be very clear. First of all, polls are not predictions, they're snapshots. So never get so fascinated by polling data that you forget they still have an election to run. Number two, if you take an aggregate of the last seven polls and combine them, Herschel Walker is only down 2.9 points. 2.9 points, well within the five point margin of error. That's an important dynamic to remember. What that means is just as easily as Walker is down 2.9 to 3.3, maybe 4.4, he could be up that amount as well based on the margin of error. So all of this polling data shows him within the margin of error. And in addition to that, there's a third party candidate, a libertarian named Chase Oliver. Chase is running as a pretty strong single digit third party candidate in this election. Republican political action committees are already, many of them are already backing the third party candidate trying to force a runoff between Warnock and Herschel Walker. Why? Because they believe that Herschel Walker, their candidate has a better opportunity to win the election in a runoff scenario. So far, none of the men are breaching 50% plus one, which is the prerequisite in Georgia to give you your mandate to govern. Not 51%, but 50% plus one vote. And virtually none of these candidates in survey data, none of them have come close to that. All right, there's more. Walker scandals, incoherent statements, blatant hypocrisy, allegations of abuse all seem eerily familiar. Trump's 2016 victory and his long lasting influence in the GOP is partially due to, to the fact that voters embraced his style of politics his status as a reality TV celebrity did not hurt either. Now let's talk about hypocrisy. Obviously, there are loads of hypocrisy with Herschel Walker. He said we need better fathers, especially black fathers, and he was an absentee father himself. He talked about black empowerment and owning black companies, and he employed hundreds, he employed four. He talked about graduating from college, he never did. He talked about being in the FBI, he never was. He talked about being a sworn deputy, never happened. Lies, lies, and more lies. Well, his mentor or master, Donald Trump, 
has taught him very well. And this has not harmed his political outlook with Republican voters. He is still very much so their favorite here. Let me go to another hypocritical individual, Ron DeSatan, the governor of Florida. Now, this governor says that gun-free zones are dangerous, ladies and gentlemen. We need more guns. He's pro-constitutional carry, guns, guns, guns. However, the insider has discovered that Governor DeSantis has a gun-free zone policy to protect his own safety. So while he's traveling America in Arizona, Ohio, Pennsylvania, firearms will be strictly prohibited at his events. And it isn't liberals who are showing up to greet the Florida guy with an AR-15, conservatives. So literally, you have a governor who supports guns in the classroom, teachers having guns, guns in churches, guns everywhere. But as far as his personal policy when he travels the country, no guns allowed. Wait a minute, governor, I thought you said gun free zones are dangerous. There's more, another height of hypocrisy, Charlie Kirk, Turning Point USA. Turning Point USA will be hosting Unite and Win. Let's put up a picture of Charlie. They're gonna host this Unite and Win events with candidates, including DeSantis, Carrie Lake, JD Vance, Blake Masters and others. The event says there is to be no, and they write it CCW. Wait a minute, what is CCW? That means concealed carry weapons. Okay, they are not allowed to carry concealed weapons at these various events being sponsored by Turning Point USA. Ironically, TPA, Turning Point USA, has shared memes mocking such zones in the past. Hypocrisy on top of hypocrisy. So while they can understand the logic of having restrictions on guns for their own personal safety, they seem to not understand the logic as it relates to creating policy to make sure individual citizens are safe in public spaces as well. Wow, Adrian, attorney at law, make it make sense. These individuals are antithetical to the policies they proclaim publicly. How did that happen? Oh, well, I would just say, arguably, members of the GOP, it's like this. Um, almost you have to be a hypocrite in order to qualify. It seems to be even so more the case. I understand to a certain extent, you know, integrity is an important part of just being a human being. That's a decent one. But it just seems too often that members of the GOP do not hold that quality at all. And we're seeing it in their actions, which seem to definitely be inconsistent with their words. And it really does show you that their goal is largely to push an agenda that they themselves do not necessarily subscribe to. And as a result of that, to shape and to control us as opposed to walk with us and to enact policies and principles and aspects of legislature that are reflective of our own beliefs as we the people. And it's a very scary thing. And so as people continue to align themselves with this party on the right, what they are aligning themselves with are people who will hold them to standards that those individuals alone will not necessarily live by. And you're gonna see considerable hypocrisy in their actions as well as duplicity that will cause the downfall of our nation. Very well said.
Welcome back to Indisputable. It is Adrian Lawrence filling in for Dr. Richie. Let's jump to what y'all got to say. So as far as the TikToker setting up the sting for the child predator, Cindy Lou 87 says he got a police chief. Yeah, that's right. One of PP Mass's videos does show a police chief being accused of being a child predator, being confronted and arrested. Cindy Lou 87 also said, he was abused as a child and he actually provides help to those who admit they did wrong and need help. Wow, this really sounds like Mr. Velasquez is putting in the work. Very much appreciated. Shimmer Dragon says, now this is the kind of vigilantism I can get behind. Kudos to that TikToker, absolutely. Mo Fury says, please do Matt Gates and Lauren Boebert's husband next, absolutely. I could barely get through those words because I was laughing so hard as that would be amazing and is much needed. As far as the police killing the suicidal black man in a mental crisis, Love Big 41 says, they're going to continue making this mistake with black people. Uh-huh. Oh, absolutely, we've seen it. Beer Dragon says, one of my colleagues in my doctoral program was also a cop, a damned good one, who is now also a clinical psychologist. Unless a cop has that level of training, he or she has no business handling the call, absolutely. And I also don't understand why law enforcement agencies don't require police to have some kind of psychological mental health training to deescalate these situations. If you're protecting and serving, you should you know, have skill sets to be able to serve all members of your community. But that's just me. And also something that is probably just me or actually not is the joy of having Donald Trump face some consequences. And the former president was facing them early today when he was testifying under oath before the New York Attorney General. Unfortunately, he has told us that he invoked the Fifth Amendment the whole time. And he wasn't going to answer any questions under oath. This is that long running civil investigation into his business dealings. As far as his decision to invoke the Fifth Amendment, it really seems to be in contrast with past statements that Trump has made, essentially condemning others who were using this, what, strategy? The mob takes the fifth. If you're innocent, why are you taking the Fifth Amendment? When you have your staff taking the Fifth Amendment, taking the fifth, so they're not prosecuted. When you have the man that set up the illegal server taking the fifth, I think it's disgraceful. Have you seen what's going on in front of Congress? Fifth Amendment, Fifth Amendment, Fifth Amendment, horrible. Yeah, so Trump is um, willing to condemn using the Fifth Amendment, which is a right that all individuals have, uh, but he, clearly feels completely comfortable using it himself. This is an observation made by the Associated Press. As vociferous as Trump has been in defending himself in written statements and on the rally stage, legal experts say the same strategy could have backfired in a deposition setting because anything he says could potentially be used in a criminal investigation. That's right, because this is a civil investigation, the one that's being led by Attorney General Letitia James. And it's involving allegations of Trump's company and the Trump Organization misstating the value of prized assets like golf courses and skyscrapers misleading leaders and tax authorities. And so even though this is a civil litigation, his decision to invoke his Fifth Amendment can be used against him. That's right, 
Also per the Associated Press, in May, James's office said that it was nearing the end of its probe and that investigators had amassed substantial evidence that could support legal action against Trump, his company, or both. The Republicans' deposition, a legal term for sworn testimony that's not given in court, was one of the few remaining missing pieces, the AG's office said. Two of Trump's adult children, that's Don Jr. and Ivanka, testified in recent days, and two people familiar with the matter had said that. And the people were not authorized to speak publicly and did so on condition of anonymity. Now, once her investigation wraps up, James could decide to bring a lawsuit and seek financial penalties against Trump and his company, or even ban them on being involved in certain types of businesses. It will be interesting because also it's my understanding that the Manhattan DA's office is watching the investigation there because they were supposed to be pursuing a criminal investigation of Trump for engaging in the same antics. But of course, with the change in Manhattan DA, all of a sudden, the individual who is now the DA was like, "Oh, I'm not gonna necessarily pursue that. Interesting how that works. But they are supposed to be essentially watching this behavior because James's investigation is limited to civil once again. Whew. You know, it's been a busy week for Donald Trump. He had his home in Florida raided. Also, he lost his appeal as far as sharing his tax returns with the House and Ways and Means Committee. Also, it's my understanding that all of the documents he did not want to turn over to James are now going to be turned over by his, um, I guess is whoever was doing his tax and record company. And they were, uh, they'll be turning over 36,000 documents. Uh, so all of these things, it really seems that the walls are closing in on Trump. Uh, and I don't think that's a bad thing. How do you think of it, AV? Finally, we see some action, right? We have been trying to find a way. We knew there was some dirt going on behind closed doors, and we have been trying to find a way to get a solution to this. And now it looks like we're getting closer and closer to reality is that there was some criminal activity going on in the White House by the way of faux five. We'll just say that. But I think. Um, the reality is like Trump supporters are almost cultish, right? Like they are gonna follow him. They didn't already drink the sauce. They're gonna follow him regardless of what he says. They'll find a conspiracy on why he has been proven guilty if we get to that point or whatever evidence they come up with against him. But let this be a reality to people who do not support Trump and people who are supporters of our platforms who don't watch normal news. Use your Fifth Amendment right to remain silent. It's valuable, you have it for a reason, it's a constitutional right, okay? We see so many people get locked up for speaking and they shouldn't have. Let this be your lesson that the Fifth Amendment is a good thing because if he's trying to use it, whether he's trying to get out of jail for free or whether he just thinks he's being wrongfully prosecuted, which most of us don't believe so, he used this Fifth Amendment for a reason. You have it, don't give up your constitutional right. And I hope that's the lesson we take from this. <laughs> I think that I think so too. I think that's a very powerful thing being able to invoke the Fifth Amendment. And it's interesting for those out there who condemn the practice, trying to suggest that there's something associated with criminality, which Trump tried to do. And then, of course, you know, since he seems to be the cardinal hypocrite, is now invoking the Fifth Amendment. So I definitely wish Attorney General James the best in terms of her prosecution of him. And I do hope the Manhattan DA's office, actually, if they have the evidence, to support charges that they bring them because nobody should be above the law. And we need more agencies and authorities to start treating people equally and start enforcing our laws. All right, so that was a great day. And thank you so much for joining me, AB. Can you please tell the viewers where they can find more of you and follow you? Of course, I'm on TikTok, YouTube, 
YouTube, Twitter, Instagram. The handle is I am legally hype across all platforms. And thank you so much for having me this afternoon. Yeah, absolutely. I really appreciated your insight and we'll definitely have to follow you. I recommend everybody out there doing so. And I'm Adrian Lawrence. You can connect with me on Twitter at Adrian Law or on Instagram at Adrian Lawrence. You can also check out my videos on Rebel HQ, which is on YouTube and Facebook. I have been quite active lately, providing as much legal insight as I can as things are popping off right and left. So I want to thank you all for joining us. Dr. Richie will be back tomorrow, or at least should be. So as he says, stick and stay in terms of staying around to continue to watch until tomorrow. Thanks so much for joining us and have a great afternoon.